Hey, so as, as most of you know who are part of Vintage, if you've been through Infusion, you've heard us talk about this primary value of family that we really celebrate here at Vintage. And, and that, so that, that primary value is something that we really go after and pursue, that we really long and desire that every single person who is here at Vintage, yes, that you're being invested into and you're investing into your own personal family, but specifically that you are connected at Vintage in the context of our greater spiritual family, right? That you, that you feel like you're part of the group, that you feel like you're part of the family, feel like you're part of the team. I gotta see you guys. There we go. And so with that, we, we primarily give ourselves to going after small groups, right? Going after small groups, going after classes or studies that we're doing here at Vintage with the hope, obviously, of every single person connecting. And so starting January 27th, we're really launching back into our small groups uh, or into our classes or our studies. And so the idea is if you've been part of one of those groups and you haven't met, you'll start back up that week of the 27th. And so but if you're a part of a group and you feel like you're connecting the family, that's awesome. And I hope you continue that. Hope it's a celebration. Hope your group goes well. But the second part of that is that there are many of people, many of those at Vintage who, who don't feel like they're necessarily connected to family. And the idea is maybe you're new at Vintage and you haven't had a chance to do that yet. And so, so Scott will be sitting outside. He's in charge of our discipleship here at Vintage. He'll be sitting outside, outside that table. And his goal is to help you connect, figure out what group fits you best, where you live, all that type of stuff, and to get you connected, get you involved, and get you invested into a group. But we also recognize, we talk about this at staff on Tuesday, that there are many people at Vintage who they love what's going on at Vintage and they, they love what we stand for and they love their time on Sunday. But if they're honest, they don't necessarily feel connected, right? And part of that maybe is that they tried to, you've tried to connect in the past in a group and just didn't go well. So you kind of got burned and you pulled back. Or maybe it was one of those things, that's going to happen, I think it sounds like water, so let's just all embrace it together, right? And so I'm not distracted, you don't be distracted. And so, so in that, we have those of you who said, yes, I've tried in the past and I haven't gotten connected. And maybe you've grown a little frustrated. It's like, ah, my gosh, this is really hard. And so we just talked and said, we would love to help you specifically. The idea is this. We don't know and can't know you're struggling connecting unless you communicate with us that you are. And so if that's you, you're just like, ah, I really want to get connected, but I'm having a really hard time. Would you communicate with one of us? I would invite you to connect with Scott today even, saying, hey, this is what my experience has been. This is why I'm having a hard time. Could you please help me and get connected? And so we're simply asking that you would communicate with us, let us know, so that we can help plug you in and get you involved into the life of Vintage. Because I, as I look at 2019, my goal, my desire, is that every single person here would somehow get connected in the context of family here at Vintage. And what this is going to require is a couple of things, just real quick. Number one, it's going to require you communicating. Here's the other part of it. It requires every other person in here being family for other people. So I'm just going to be honest with you. I sat after the, after the first service. I'm getting after first service people, so you can, I'm not getting on to y'all. But I watched as people who knew each other went outside and connected. And they hung out and they talked, and it was great. But I watched as people that I know who aren't connected kind of walked around and had to use those people as a maze to get from point A to point B. And what I would love to have seen is just one of those groups open up and say, hey, I haven't met you. Won't you come be part of our circle? Let's have a conversation. And so all I'm saying is this. It requires each of us doing our part to help those who are not connected get connected. And I just want to ask that you would do that. That it's one of those deals if someone comes into your house who's never been there before, 
You don't just hang out with your people. You engage them and you talk to them and you get to know them. And I'm just simply asking you the same thing while we're here at Vintage. Now, practically speaking, a couple of things for you to know about groups that I want you to know about. Wednesdays is something specific. They're going to be a little bit different for us this year. We have several groups that are happening tonight. We have some classes going on up here. We're doing a Sean Bowles study on hearing the voice of the Lord. We're going to be doing, have a women's group that's meeting. We have groups that are meeting outside. And so what's really cool at this time is we have a specific time of child care, honestly, for our, like, uh, like kindergarten, or excuse me, preschoolers, newborns, infants to preschoolers. We have a specific time of discipleship happening for our K through elementary age. And the really cool thing about that is whether you are doing a group on Wednesday night or not doesn't really matter. We would love to invite you to bring your kids to that Wednesday time. So there's this incredible time of being discipled as they talk about hearing God's voice also. It's this curriculum that we picked up. We feel very excited about it. And so if that's you, you want your kids to be discipled in the deeper level than just on Sunday mornings, specifically about relating to Jesus, hearing God's voice, and walking in that. We'd love for you to invite your kids. Again, you can talk to Scott about that. He'd love to get you connected with him. All right. Well, hey, let's dive in this morning. Uh, We are at the very first Sunday uh, of of 2019, And, and I love the beginning of things because the beginning of things is you get to kind of start over. And so, in the starting over this year, I want to make an invitation to you, and I want you to hear this invitation. The invitation is simply this. I would love to invite you to make Sunday morning family gatherings here a priority for your schedule this year. It's been, they, they, they the proverbial they, have done studies over the last couple of years, and actually been several different studies, and they all come back with the same information about Sunday morning people gathering. They said, People who consider a church to be home, on average, come once every four to five weeks. Once every four to five weeks, which basically means they average 12 Sundays out of 52 every single year. And here's the thing. Like, I'm not getting on to people. All I want to say is this. I want to make the invitation because I believe that we are better together than we are apart. And as it relates to where we want to go, the idea of God has a vision for vintage in our community, it's really hard or it's much harder to take people somewhere when we're not able to relate together and be together. Now, here's the deal. I recognize you have things going on. You have family responsibilities. I want you to go on vacations. I get it. And I know there are weeks that you cannot be here. And when you're not here, man, I hope you're having fun. We bless you. We want you to know we want you to come, come home whenever you can. But I was going to say, in, the, in those moments of like, ah, I want to invite you to make it a priority on those weeks to be here. Because the idea is this. Is Jesus going to love you more if you're here on Sunday? The answer is no. Is it going to make you, quote unquote, is it going to make him more pleased with you as a parent that you're here? No. But what he does know is this. It's going to cause you to grow in Christ's likeness in a much more rapid pace because you're in a time of worship. You're in a time of study together. And honestly, you're with a group of people who are your spiritual family, encouraging you and speaking life over you. So all I want to say today is this. It's an invitation. Basically, it says, I enjoy having you here more than I enjoy not having you here. 
And I just want you to know that I want to invite you, and I simply ask you to make that a priority this year because there's somewhere that we want to go in the context of this journey that God's put us on together. Now, with that in mind, in the context of this journey, we're going to be studying and going through, I would say, like a multi-week series called The Journey. And the idea is very, very simple. In Scripture, we find people who are going on journeys. We find these ideas around the journey that God has us on in our spiritual life. And over the upcoming weeks, we're going to take time and dive into these spiritual journeys and figure out what we need to learn in the context of our own spiritual journeys that we're on with Jesus. So the place for us to start this morning is this. It's the recognition first of the fact that each of us is on our own spiritual journey. Each of us on our own spiritual journey. Now, here's the interesting thing. When I talk about the idea and the ideas this morning and the journey that we're on, I'm not going to say anything that you don't already know. Like, I'm going to say things that you already know, things that are already in your repertoire of knowledge. But the idea is this. Sometimes, in the context of our lives, before we start something, We have to just do a check and make sure we have grabbed hold of everything that we need for that journey that we're on, right? So it's the idea if you fly a plane, if you've ever been around a plane, you know, they take like an hour going through their checklist to make sure everything is taken care of before they actually take off. And so this morning, I'm going to say a bunch of things you already know. I'm going to name a bunch of things you've all told your children, you've heard from your parents, and you've talked about with everybody else around you. I'm going to tell you things that seem obvious, and all I'm doing this morning is this. I'm just setting the table. I'm setting in preparation of us a journey that we're on and making sure our checklist has been checked in the context of what the journey looks like for us. So with that, again, the first fact, the first thing we name is that each of us are on our own spiritual journey. We are on our own spiritual journey. So no one is just living their life free of consequences. No one's living life free of responsibilities. No one's living life free of the will of God in their lives or free from the direction of God. As Christians, we believe the moment that we were born, God put into motion. He put into motion a path that ultimately leads us to him so that we can walk with him every day of our life. Like, I want you to hear that again. It just seems like common sense for those who are Christians. But the moment that you were born, God put into motion a path that would lead you to him. So in turn, you could walk with him for the rest of your life. The idea is that you would have a companion, that God would literally be with you always. Because our walk of life, our journey of life... It is never a journey or a walk in isolation. Always, always in everything that you do, in the things you regret later, in the things you're proud of later, God is with you. We never walk in isolation. God is always with us. And the decisions that we make in our journey also impact him. Like that's the thing you have to recognize. If I am walking somewhere and I take a right turn with the person I'm in and all of a sudden they keep on going, my right turn, what does it do? It impacts them on the journey that we're on. And so the decisions that I make are never decisions made in vacuums. 
I'm not just, I'm not the only one being impacted on the spiritual journey that I'm on with Jesus. No, everything that I do and all the decisions that I make ultimately impact those I am journeying with. And so the decisions that we make in our spiritual journey, they ultimately impact Jesus. They ultimately impact him. And so in the context of our relationship with him, we believe that what we do, where we go, and what we believe, that they have eternal consequences. Why? Because they're impacting the relationship that we have with him. And so the place that we have to begin this morning is just being honest that you're on a spiritual journey. And the question you ask about point number one is this very simple In the context of the decisions that you're making, recognize that everything you do impacts him. Decisions that Jesus makes impact you. Do you live aware every day of your relationship with him and the decisions that you're making? Do you involve him? Is he invested? Have you given him unlimited space to invest into and be involved in the process? Or are you literally, by nature, thinking about him as an afterthought? And because we are on a spiritual journey that Jesus led you to, and now that you're on with him for eternity, the beginning place in 2019, in the context of your journey, is recognizing you've been on a spiritual journey to him, and now you're on a spiritual journey with him, and all that we're doing impacts him. And so with that, we involve him in all that we're doing. So starting this morning, uh, I want us to, 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 to recognize and this, this interesting scripture from Jeremiah 6. I want to look at this, this scripture from Jeremiah 6. Starting in verse, this is verse 16. It says this. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. But you said, we will not walk in it. Read that again. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. But you said, we will not walk in it. Here in this verse, Jeremiah is speaking to the people of God. He's speaking about a crossroads that God's bringing them to in their life journey. Right? It's a, it's a moment of decision. And their response was vital to their spiritual walk. Get the picture again. Jesus, God's walking with his people. There's a moment of decision. Something has arisen. Something is coming up. And God's brought them to a crossroad where there's only left or right turn. It's a moment of decision about their spiritual walk. Therefore, the second point this morning that we're going to talk about in the journey is this. We need to follow God's leading and direction in our crossroad moments. We need to follow God's leading and direction. We have to listen and obey. Again, I haven't said anything earth-shattering yet. You know all of these things. But in this story, we have to see, we have to follow God's leading and direction. Why? Because his direction produces life. In this verse, God brings them to this crossroad of decision. We're going to look at it a little bit in what's going on in their life, but he tells them to stop. He asks them to look, to ask, and then to walk in the way that God leads them. And when they do that, what will the result be? Rest for their souls. 
Like, I don't want you to miss this moment. God says, when I bring you to this crossroad moment, right, this moment of stopping and of looking and of, of asking and walking in it, when you do that, it brings rest to your souls. The thing that strikes me here is the tenderness of God. What strikes me is the tenderness of a loving father and who's desiring to lead his children and to bring them to a place of rest. You see, the idea in the context of our life is that we go through life, right? We're journeying. We're journeying every day. And the moments that we find ourselves with a lack of rest in our souls, our soul being our mind, our will, and our emotions, then that awareness of having a lack of rest, to be honest with you, is a crossroad moment. Because when we get to that moment of recognizing, I don't own God's best. I'm not possessing and expressing and experiencing what God's best is for me in the context of my soul being at rest. Then in that moment, I'm at a crossroads saying, God, why? Why? What's going on, God? Where's the, there's a lack. I can go a path of a lack of rest or I can go a path for rest. In every single moment in life, God brings us to these moments in the context of our awareness to recognize here's the crossroad of God's best or not God's best. And so in the context of your journey, I want you to recognize you're walking a spiritual path with God. And in the context of that path, his desire for you is to live in a place of having rest for your souls, because he is a good father who's tender and wants to lead us to this place. And so we come to this moment, this moment of decision, and God sees the tug of war. He sees the tug of war that defines this decision. He, he, he sees the tug of war that defines the tension that surrounds it in his goal. His goal is peace and his goal is rest. Like, to be honest with you, like, I I read that and I go, maybe even you believing that is your first crossroad. Like, you've just grown so accustomed to living without peace. You've just grown so accustomed to living without rest for your soul that in me saying that to you, go, I'm not sure, right? That's a crossroad. Either I believe what God says to be true or I don't, right? And that becomes a tension, that becomes a tension, that becomes this moment of crossroad for us in the decisions that we believe that God wants to make for us. So what I'm getting at is that our lives are not marked by like one tension, like one crossroad. To be honest, we can have multiple crossroads every day in the context of the decisions that we're making, these moments that God brings us to. And so in that, in that journey, in that tension, these moments of decision, what I see are four, like four steps that God leads his people to here in Jeremiah, right? They're on the screen. We looked at them a second ago. Stop, look, ask, and walk. Stop, look, ask, and walk. And so in this, let's look at the four, the four, these four clear, in my opinion, four clear steps named at the crossroads of a journey here in Jeremiah 6. And the first one would be the stopping. Right, the stopping. Jeremiah says, hey, we're on this journey, and I'm bringing you to a crossroads. And he says, I want you to stand. And the idea, in my opinion, is this. He says, he's not saying walk. He's not saying run. He's saying stand. 
Stand represents, in my mind, this idea of stopping. When you come to a you come to a T in the road, what do you do? Do you just keep on going or do you stop? And that's the idea. We begin to stop. Jeremiah says, I want you to stand, I want you to slow down, and I want you to stop. Stopping is vital. Why? Because it's hard to make life-altering decisions when we're perpetually on the go. It is hard to hear when we're not taking time to stop and to listen. Listen, in parenting, my children can attest, I have learned that my best decisions in discipline are when I stop long enough to respond rather than react. Because when I react, reaction is led by the emotion of the moment. A lot of times it's driven by anger or frustration. And unfortunately, because I grew up this way, it's usually loud. I usually, like, and in these, I usually find myself regretting my reactions because I haven't stopped the process, the situation, and figure out what is best for my girls and for our family in the moment. What I find is when I stop, When I stop and I process and take time to press through my emotions, look at all sides of situations, and then communicate with conviction and confidence in my response, that it just goes much better. Reaction in the moment, which is just continual, perpetual motion or stopping to think, to process, to pray. To seek out what is best in the moment, not to react, but to respond. My stopping helps me make the best decision. Each of you can take moments of your life, whether it's in parenting, just in life, and go, I can think about times that I stopped to really seek wise counsel to process, to think out loud, to pray in major decisions I was making. And if I had not done that, I would not have made the best decision. And so I believe that Jeremiah, that God's leading his people very simply to that moment saying, first, you have to stop. You have to slow down, right? It's necessary. Stopping is a primary step in each of our spiritual journeys. It's necessary. And when I hit a crossroad, I have to take the difficult step of stopping so I can process and pray and I can respond in the way that God is leading. Which then leads to the second part. He says, now I want you to look. When I stop, when I stop, I am then wanting to look for God's best. But like all of us, I have to fight against distractions. I have to fight to keep my eye on him. Why? Because there are things my emotions being one of them, that are pulling at me at every moment to say, you don't have time to slow down. You don't have time to stop. Do you know how important this decision is? You need to immediately make the, whatever it is, right? You don't have time. You don't have time to stop and look. You can do this yourself. You can figure it out in your own strength. You don't have to look. But the idea is, if I make my best decisions when I stop and I look to Jesus. Because the idea is this, we cannot make healthy decisions when we are distracted because the reality is we can't multitask in our decisions that we're making in life. It's like it's proven scientifically, like in the last several years, there's all these writings, all this stuff about the fact that multitasking actually does not work. Right. 
Like all these studies and all these things. So you get around people and it makes it's common sense with math. I can't be 100% focused on this thing over here. At the same time, 100% focused on something over here. Multitasking says that you can do that. It's just not true. And so I test these things with my wife. Randall thinks she's a professional multitasker. You ask her, she'll tell you. She's like, I don't believe science. I believe faith, right? No, she's like, I can, I can, I can multitask. I can do it, so I test it. She sits at her computer at the dining room table sometimes, maybe a lot of time, and she's doing her work. And she's sitting out walking and start talking to her. And she's like this the entire time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? And so I look at her and say, hey, you're not paying attention. She's like, no, I'm multitasking. I'm like, you're not multitasking. It's not scientifically possible. She's like, I can do it. Trust me. Right? I said, okay, fine. So she keeps, so I keep, so she keeps on typing. I keep on, I start talking. But I find myself, so I do this. I start testing the moment. I'm like, all right. I'll start talking, and then all of a sudden, this tail off like this. And I'll sit there. And I want to count, see how long does it take her to realize I'm not talking. It's a test, right? And so sometimes it's immediate. Sometimes it's like an eternity, like five seconds. One, two, three. You can't multitask, right? Because we can't be distracted when we're looking at one thing and then we're looking at one thing or the other. We can't look at two things. We cannot multitask decisions and primary crossroad moments of moments of decision in our life. When Jesus became focused kind of over here, with those. we can't do it. God's saying you have to stop and then 100% focus and look. There's no multitasking. I'm stopping to slow down to look. We have to be looking. And then in the looking, the beautiful piece here is like we start looking and then we ask. There's something so powerful about the, this, this call that, that, that God makes. Like, I want you to ask. ask. We say, he says over here, he says, I want you to ask for the ancient paths. The things we've been doing forever that lead people to me, right? I want you to ask where the good way is. I love that picture because the idea of asking, asking always has in mind and anticipates what? A response. It always expects and anticipates a response. Think about it. When you ask your child or you ask your spouse or you ask your parents or you ask your friends a question, what's your expectation? That they will respond. There's nothing worse than asking questions and people not listening and responding, right? But the expectation, the anticipation of each of us and the questions that we ask and the primary relationships that we're in is what? That people will respond. So I love that God literally in this moment says, hey, when you stop and then when you look at me, just ask me questions and I will answer. I will answer. Matthew 7, 7 says, ask, and you will receive. Jesus said that. James came on later and says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. This is James 1, 5. You should ask God. He gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So the idea is this clear. He's like, I want you to stop. I want you to look, and I want you to ask. And when you ask, because you're lacking when you need direction left, right, left, right, the crossroad. I'm going to speak, and when I speak, it's going to lead you to rest. And so, here's the deal. Like, did you just pick up on that I just led you to a crossroad? 
Like, I don't want you to cross her because you're sitting there. And some of you are like, God, probably, God will talk to them, but he just never talks to me. Do you believe that, right? And that leads to a crossroad because here's what we do at crossroads. See if this matches your life at all. Oh, that's just too hard to look at right now. I'm just going to look away and go this way over here. I can't deal with that person right now. This is too much for me, so I'm just going to go over here. That doesn't make us. Uh, this is too hard. I'm going to bury my head in the sand. And so you have things, crossroads that God has led you to over and over and over and over again. But because it's too much, you don't go to the crossroad. And so some people have a crossroad right here saying, I just don't know if God will speak to me. I'm just not sure he, I'm just not sure he will. And so we stop asking. We stop listening. And we just start taking over our own lives. And then we lead ourselves to some pretty precarious places sometimes. And so it just led many of you to a crossroad moment. I'm not sure God speaks. And if he does, I'm not sure that I even want to listen or that I can hear him. And so that's an invitation. Listen, crossroads are always invitations. Crossroads are always invitations from God to look at you and say, hey, let's stop on our journey together. Right? Jesus is walking us up to the crossroad with us, right? He leads us there. He says, hey, do you see the issue? And you're like, let's look at it. Let's look at it together. Right? Look at me. And let's have a conversation about it. The asking, it speaks to this idea of an expectation of response, right? That he desires to speak to us. He longs to lead us. And the fourth step is just super simple. We have to walk in it, right? We have to walk in it. The last step is this idea of obeying and then going where God's leading us. And here's the deal. How do we know we've been obedient and walk where God's wanting to lead us? Well, it leads to rest for our soul. I didn't mean, it doesn't mean you, it doesn't mean it leads me to sleep, right? The idea is it leads me to a peace and a rest in my own mind, will, and emotions in the context of my very busy journey every day of life because I have a life to live. The idea of rest is not stopping stillness forever. No, it's just stopping to see what direction to go so that rest can continue to define my walk and my life with him on the journey. But obeying... Walking is not always easy, nor is it the choice, if we're honest, that we always make. Just like God's people here in Jeremiah 6. If you look at Jeremiah 6, you see that it's literally this chapter of talking about a people who were walking in disobedience. They walk in disobedience for a long time. God's brought them to a crossroad of their disobedience. If you don't turn here, then I'm going to have to bring judgment. I'm going to have to discipline you. I'm going to have to put you, I'm going to have to kind of, kind of put you over here, right? I have to discipline you because I love you. Can't let you keep on going down this path. I bring you to a crossroad moment. It's a moment of discipline. And here in this, the last phrase, what is the last phrase? The last phrase of, of verse 16, it speaks to the response. He says, but you said, speaking to the people of God, we will not walk in it. I want you to ask. I want you to look. I, I want you to, to listen. I want you to, 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 to walk in it, but you aren't going to walk in it. 
You're not going to listen. You're not going to obey. You're going to live for stuff. You're going to push back all day long. Here, this one phrase is a story of so many people that we know, maybe even ourselves. How many of you are already, think about it this, each of us, so many of us made New Year's resolutions. If you made New Year's resolutions, raise your hand real quick. Let me see you. You made resolutions. Some of you are like, I didn't do that. stupid, right? No, some of us made those things. And so here's the deal. We make the resolutions. And today's the sixth. And so many of us are already not walking in our resolutions. I mean, literally last night, we went to a wedding last night, right? We decided, like, I'm going to lose this weight right here, right? I'm going to fit back into my medium shirts by God's grace, right? So I'm going I'm to work hard. I'm going to fit back into those things, right? And so last night, what did I do? I ate a bunch of sweets, right? I'm already not walking in the resolution that I made, right? Like, ah. And so in this moment, right, I'm not walking in it. And the idea is that in the context of the crossroads, some of us reach this crossroad, and we're like, we're just not going to walk in it. On a much grander scale, in the context of where God's calling you, the spiritual life, he's calling you to live. God has led his people, and they're not responding. So in reading the context of the entire chapter, right, God recognizes his people have once again, once again, that defines so many of us, right? He recognizes that people have once again gotten into a, gotten themselves to a place where they're no longer stopping, they're no longer looking, they're no longer asking, and they're no longer walking in obedience. He recognizes that once again, verse 10 of Jeremiah of 6, very soberly says this, to whom, God speaking, to whom can I speak and give warning? Who will listen to me? Their ears are closed so they cannot hear. The word of the Lord is offensive to them, and they find no pleasure in it. Like I want you just to sit in that for a second. Like I want you to feel the, the weight. You've got a whole people. And, Jer- and God's speaking to Jeremiah and you know, the reality is either, either Jeremiah is stopping in verse 10 and, and saying this himself. He's like, God's speaking to me, but to whom can I speak and give warning? Or it's God speaking through Jeremiah. We don't really know. It's not really clear. But either one of them work. What if it's Jeremiah? Jeremiah's like, I'm the only one who's really listening in the moment, right? I'm the only one who's listening, and there's no one else I can speak to. There's no one else who will listen that I can give warning to, right? Their ears are so closed off, they just cannot hear. Because the Word of God, the direction of God, the things He wants to lead them to, it is offensive. And they just don't take delight and pleasure in God correcting, God convicting, God leading them to things that lead to life. Jeremiah 6 is a warning that there is danger in our journeys. There is danger in our journeys. Because of the culture in which we live, the temptations we face, the distractions we experience every day, it doesn't take long for each of us to wind up somewhere that we had never intended on being. We can all find ourselves. And that's the idea of a spiritual journey. God brings us to crossroads. Why? Because it's a gift to lead us to rest for our souls. 
He wants to lead us away from distractions. I'll never forget, we were living in Orlando, and we had moved from the parsonage, which was owned by the church, to our own house that we bought, and we were excited there. And so we got there, and I was having one of those days, right? I was having one of those days at work. There's a lot of stuff going on. I had a lot of voices on the outside. I had a lot of voices on the inside. There's lots of stuff going on. So I hopped in my um, hopped in my car to go back to the house, and I'm driving. I pull up into the driveway. I look and go... And this is the wrong house, right? Just one of those moments. And people inside are kind of doing this. I'm like, hey, right? Wrong house. My bad. They can't hear me. I'm like, hey, I'm going to just gotta pull out, kind of waving the way I just drive back to the house, right? And the reason, what happened? Like I was driving, but I got distracted. I didn't intend to get there. It wasn't my plan. That's the nature of God's grace. He says, oh my gosh, you guys can get yourself, you can get yourself in a pickle, all right? So I'm going to bring you to the crossroad because your distractions have led you to this place. Hey, make sure you stop. Make sure you look. Make sure you ask because I want to speak and I want you to walk in it. And this morning, I want you to hear me say, all of us have gotten ourselves to a place, maybe today, maybe tomorrow, maybe yesterday, where we find ourselves at a crossroad. In the context of relationships, in the context of our relationship with Jesus, maybe in the context of our marriages, relationship with our kids, maybe it's in the context of how we're parenting, how we're doing marriages, how we're doing work, how we're spending time with the Lord, how we're handling the physical nature of our bodies and what we put into them. Whatever it could be, it could literally be anything. And God's saying, listen, when you were born, it was awesome. I was so excited when you were born. And when you were born, I put you on a path to leading you to me. Everything that happened in life ultimately is ultimately me leading and guiding you to me. Because I, I wanted to walk with you every moment of every day on this spiritual journey that I have called you to, I have put you on, and that I am on with you. And I recognize you get distracted. I recognize things become too much for you sometimes. I recognize, man, that you make some really bad decisions. And so in your journey, I've created crossroad moments. These moments of decision, they are a crossroad for you. But I want you to know if you'll just stop in those moments and look to me, Fight against distractions. You look to me, and then you ask. Remember, Samuel said, speak, Lord, for your servant's listening. He's asking, speak, Lord. Here I am. Speak to me. If you're lacking wisdom, I'm going to give it to you, right? Speak. And then all I'm asking you is to walk in it, and you will know that you're walking in it if your soul finds rest in the midst of maybe the busyness of what you're doing in life. And I believe what God will say is, and I just need you to live aware of your crossroad moments. Don't put your head in the sand. Don't be afraid of conflict. Conflict is a gift from God that leads us to breakthrough. Don't be afraid of tension. Don't be afraid of conversations. Don't be afraid of people. Let God lead you to your crossroads. Don't bury your head in the sand. Don't defend yourself and say it's going to be okay. Let God lead you there, listen to him, and then go the direction he's calling you to go. Let's pray.
Father, we thank you uh, for your leadership. God, we thank you for your grace and your peace in all areas of our lives. Which basically means, God, in every single moment you're fighting for us. You're speaking. You're moving. And God, I thank you that you've put us on a spiritual journey. And I ask this morning, God, that out of your great love and your mercy as a perfect parent, I pray, Jesus, that you would lead us to to be honest about the crossroads you've led us to. And it's a crossroad in how we're handling our relationship with our parents. It's a crossroad of how we're handling temptation and sin in our life. Maybe you're leading us to a crossroad of decision. Are we going to really let you be Lord of all in our lives? That you're in charge of everything. Maybe it's a crossroad of saying, hey, this hobby of yours, this really just not the most life-giving. This thing that you give yourself to is not the most life-giving. The only decision of how we're going to handle that, God. Maybe it's the context of our marriage. We're really going to give ourselves to humility. Of humbling ourselves to actually understand where our spouse is before I'm before I fight for them making sure they know how I feel and I just pray Jesus that you would lead us in this moment of decision God to a recognition Lord that you want to bring breakthrough again and again and again and again and again and again, every day in our lives. And I'm just asking Jesus this morning that you would put your finger on these things in our hearts and our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. So I invite you in response this morning. I want to invite you in your time with the Lord just to let him speak honestly and truthfully. Let's be honest. We're really good at not letting God be honest with us. It's like we say, God can speak about all of these things, but when it comes to this, and it's different for each of us, but when it comes to this, we don't let him speak. We're like, oh, I got that. I don't, I'm afraid what you're going to say. And we, these are the things. These are our crossroads. You have to name them. You have to be honest. You have to listen. But the beautiful piece is is when you come to this, it feels overwhelming because you're having to hand control over to Jesus and let him speak. And you like having control. So this morning, as we come in this time, we have offering baskets available like we always do as a sign of work for worship. We have communion available every week. We'll have ministry teams available. For the next five to ten minutes, would you let God begin to speak to you about these crossroads he's leading you to today? Be honest. Allow him just to begin to speak into you these places. Let him bring breakthrough. Let him lead you to rest.
for your soul. He responds, the Lord leads. I'll come back up here in a few minutes and close this out. But take this time now to let God begin to lead, guide, and direct you.